The Wicked Smart Sports Guys is brought to you by SomexBatteries.com. As always, the go-to website for all your battery needs. Somex Batteries carries a full line of super heavy-duty ultra-alkaline lithium and button cell batteries. Somex Batteries compares in quality well known national brands, and the best part, Somex Batteries are priced much lower than their competitors. Flashlights, remote controls, gaming tools, headphones, digital cameras, hearing aids, smoke lamps, whatever device you need a battery for, Somex has the best batteries at the best price for your device. You don't rate 24-pack of AA or AAA heavy-duty batteries for only five. 24 batteries for only $5.99 or a 24 pack of ultra alkaline ideal for all kinds of gaming high-tech devices at just $12.99 and you can order today and use coupon code BOSTON that's all our case BOSTON B-O-S-T-O-N and save 20% off your entire order that's coupon code BOSTON all our case at checkout and save big today semifatteries.com C-E-L-L-M-A-X batteries.com the official sponsor of the Wicked Smart Sports Guys All right, welcome back to another episode of the Wicked Smart Sports Guys podcast. Thanks, as always, to Dolly Dreams for the intro music. This week, we're talking Bruins post-NHL trade deadline and evaluating the moves they made and didn't make with NHL writer, host of the Puck That podcast, one of the best young hockey minds on Twitter, Jeremy Perigo. Jeremy, welcome back to the show. It's great to be back, Kenny, as always. It's a great show. Love to be here. So, uh, Jeremy, obviously, Puck That puck that Podcast, guys, check that out. It's a great show as well. You can hear all Jeremy's thoughts on all kinds of stuff, all, all things hockey. Uh, Jeremy, we're going to start a couple things from the Bruins trade deadline. Let's start with Nick Ritchie, okay? The, the most recent of the two moves we're going to talk about that they made. Danton Heinen for Ritchie straight up. I, I really haven't heard anyone come out against this trade for the Bruins uh, from, the, from their standpoint. So I want to start with this, Jeremy. I mean, the, the people talk about they save money. People obviously haven't been happy with Heinen this season. Uh, and so I, I want to know, why did Anaheim make this move? What do you see as the benefit from their perspective? Well, I guess it is interesting because the Anaheim Ducks are very much outside of the playoff picture right now. And actually kind of coming to the season, they looked like they might they might be able to do something with the lineup they had. They were winning more games than I expected. And then they pretty shortly after that dropped off. They're, they're a weird team in the sense that out of all, all three of the California teams right now aren't doing great. San Jose probably the most unexpected of those three. But Anaheim, they're not making a push for the playoffs. Obviously getting Heinen back isn't like acquiring a draft pick. And I think basically what this is is a change of scenery for both players. The Bruins have given a lot for Danton Heinen to succeed, and you know that included playing on the first line, playing on the second line. It never really, you know, was one of those players that could really find his staying spot on the Bruins. And you know, I think Anaheim looks at him as a really good young player that maybe their organization will, I don't know, be given more opportunities. They play a little bit differently than the Bruins, so I think, and for the Bruins too. I mean, Richie's a little more got a little more uh, ice in his veins. Um, Heinen's not, you know, a super tough guy. So maybe maybe Richie's one of those guys that fits the Boston mold better, and and Heinen's one of those players that the Anaheim Ducks are looking to maybe he's young. You know, they're both I think they're both 24. So obviously, if a team like Anaheim, if they're rebuilding, and it seems to be that they're kind of going that route, kind of like a a semi rebuild, then this this is a move that makes sense for them because he could potentially be with them for a while. I mean, do you agree with that assessment for Anaheim, if that is their assessment, that Heinen is a young player that could, you know, potentially blossom in in their system with a change of scenery? Do you? Do you, I know? I know that you're making the case for what they might think. Would you? Would you agree with that overall assessment of Heinen? I think it's interesting because if you look at the Pacific Division in general, there are a lot of teams that aren't performing super well. I've made a lot about it this season on our podcast about uh, how close that race has been, and not for not for any good reason, right? Like a lot of those teams are pretty low in the standings talking about Vancouver Edmonton 
Uh, Calgary's fallen off. Arizona, they're all battling, and they're all battling in Vegas as well. They're all battling between like one or two points of each other, and that I think is probably what the Anaheim Ducks are looking at here. Obviously, not for this season, but going forward, it doesn't necessarily make a hundred percent sense for them to tear it down. If you're if you're a team like I guess a good example is the New Jersey Devils in the Metropolitan Division, where you have Washington, you have you have Pittsburgh, you have the Islanders bringing in big players even today that are seemingly trying to make a, a you know, a stand to stay at the top of that division for a while. It doesn't make sense to try to jump in that mix when a lot of the teams above you are really playing well. But if they if they can do kind of a quick quasi rebuild, um, they have good goaltending in John Gibson, and I've I've liked Ryan Miller as kind of like a guy at the back end of his career that's that's provided a reliable backup kind of in the way Yaroslav Halak has in Boston. Um, then then I, I guess it does kind of make sense. I mean, they they have been offloading some players. Corey Perry hasn't been producing for them for the last couple seasons. He's in Dallas now. Um, I, I don't think it's the worst idea because, you know, like I said, that Pacific Division is kind of wide open, and obviously it's not happening this season, but I think they could probably see it as them being competitive in a season or two without having to strip it down to the bones. Because I, I think a lot of Bruins fans would push back on that a little bit just because, I mean, you mentioned it yourself, they've given Heinen a lot of different chances with a lot of different, you know, players surrounding him on a lot of different lines, and he just hasn't ever really popped the way they've wanted him to. So do you think that in Anaheim, I mean, with different players, he could really have that opportunity to uh, shine the way he didn't here. I mean, it, you look at all the different situations he was placed in, it, it feels like it's going to be hard for him to find a, any sort of better situation out there in Anaheim than he was in in Boston. And I would say that we've seen a lot of players kind of go from one place to another. And, and the first one that comes to my mind is Ilya Kovalchuk. And I mean, he was on a bad team in LA, in LA so that's kind of part of it. But uh, he went to Montreal, performed pretty well for them for a short period of time. Uh, and you see it even with like, well, I guess Tyler Sagan's a little bit of a different situation. He had more behavioral problems that left him to go to Dallas. It wasn't necessarily a performance problem. But um, I think there is something to be said for that change of scenery. Does it, does it always work? No, absolutely not. Um, and, and, you know, there is a certain structure and a certain atmosphere in Boston, in that locker room, the way the way they play the game and the, and the leadership they have that isn't necessarily favorable to young and gun uh, offense players that play a little more risky and irresponsible. I'm not saying that's high in at all, but um, it, it certainly doesn't allow players to be as creative if they're not responsible defensively. And you see Martian and like Pasternak, those players can kind of get away with that more because they're elite skill level. But if you're lower down on the depth chain, it's not as easy to kind of make those mistakes and, and take those risks. So, I mean, yeah, if, if a team's willing to give him more leeway than he would get in Boston, and I definitely think there are most, that goes for probably most teams in the NHL, that, you know, Boston has an established top five or so. You can't really call it top six because they've they continuously been searching for that right winger. But um, when you're when you're trying to be a depth player on a team like that, it, it, I, can, I can see how it would stifle... Uh, your growth a little bit, and I I don't know personally. I'm not a huge fan of Danton Heinen, so I this is me speculating. Uh, I'd love to see the best for him in Anaheim. I'd love to see him become a, a good player, and you know we've seen players leave the Bruins like Blake Wheeler, for example, and, and become star players in their own organizations. It took a while for Wheeler, but uh, in Winnipeg now he's one of their most important players and has been for a while. So um, I don't know. Who knows to to be honest, but I can see it happening. It could go either way, but I think that's their rationale for sure. Okay, now let me ask you this. How, how does Richie fit with the Bruins? Uh, you know, former first-round pick, obviously hasn't lived up to his draft status. What's your overall assessment of him as a player? Um, like I said, the whole, is he more of a grinding player than Heinen? I would probably say that's part of their line of thinking, that they get a little more sandpaper uh, for someone like Richie than they would for Heinen, who, you know, isn't known for throwing his body around at all, really. 
their points aren't too dissimilar, but Richie right now um, only has ooh, 19 points on the season. And again, this is as a support role as a left winger on that Anaheim team that's already not great to begin with. So, I mean, I don't think you're giving up a lot points wise. Like I said, I really do think this is an honest, this is this is a hockey trade, like right? How they like to say two, two players going for each other, no picks involved or, or cap situations pretty, meaning, pretty much remains the same. So I think the Bruins like to kind of line their bottom six with, players that are that are hard worker and again this is not me digging on Danton Heinen but are like grinding players that are gonna fly into the corners head down or head up I guess is probably the proper way of saying it but you know like Chris Wagner kind of feels like the ideal Bruins bottom six player to me because he's a fast skater he goes in guns blazing hard hitting can break up plays and and, and you know provides energy you know as an energy line for for the Bruins top six to get back out there and do what they do best so um, I think that's kind of what they're looking for in Richie, and uh, we'll see. We'll see if that actually is what materializes from this. All right, let's move on to the other big Bruins-related news of the day. You kind of mentioned it earlier. There, it was reported uh, early Monday that Ilya Kovalchuk. You mentioned him going to Washington. He had a choice of whether he wanted to go to the Bruins or the Capitals, and he chose Washington over Boston. Now, there are some conflicting reports on this about whether or not the Bruins were really in the mix. Kovalchuk claims that they weren't in a press conference, but there are conflicting reports to that. Maybe he's lying. Maybe, you know, it'd be logical that you wouldn't want to reveal that necessarily if you were a player. You know, you maybe just don't want to answer that question. You don't want to badmouth other teams. But nevertheless, a lot of people are reporting that he did get the choice between the Bruins and the Capitals, and he chose the Capitals. So let's just assume that's true. So... Uh, not everybody in Boston wanted Kovalchuk. You know, that was made pretty clear. But it, it still has to be frustrating that you're having one of the best regular seasons you've had as a team in quite some time. You have the most points in hockey. You're coming off a Stanley Cup Finals run. And yet, a player like Kovalchuk still picks the Capitals over you. And, you know, wh- whether or not you wanted him or not, Don Sweeney wanted him, the Bruins wanted him. They felt like he was the right player for their th- their team, what they needed. And he ultimately picks the Capitals over the Bruins. So, you know, I'm sure there are other factors there. You know, is he good friends with Alex Ovechkin, who's, you know, also Russian and one of the chances to be on the same team with him? You know, that's worth exploring, I guess. Uh, What was the ice time looking like for both places? I don't know if that was communicated to him and if that was part of his decision at all. But, you know, I wouldn't rule out Kovalchuk just looking at the Capitals and looking at the Bruins and thinking he has a better shot to win a cup with the Capitals. I mean, I I think that there's still this kind of notion in the league and this sentiment that a lot of players and maybe even some fans around the league still would favor the Capitals and the Lightning over the Bruins. They still think that they are superior teams, and in a playoff series, those teams have the advantage. So uh, is, is that frustrating to you, that a player like Kovalchuk kind of bears that out when he's picking the Capitals over the Bruins when given the choice? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I haven't read anything on it. I don't know what's going on in his head, but personally, I'm not upset to see him in Washington over Boston because I think it's just it's a, it's a big question mark, first of all, because he, like I said, he wasn't producing in L.A. He found his rhythm in Montreal. I still think a lot of the goals he scored in Montreal didn't require him to move his feet that much. He's one of those players, and, and you know, Washington already has a player like that that doesn't have to move his feet but scores a lot of goals, and he's their best player and has been for a long time. Um, so I don't know that, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess it makes sense to the Caps. They're trying to tool up for, for a deep, hopefully a deep postseason run. I don't know that he would make sense in Boston. And, and I don't know if it's because of his personality, the fact that they already they get a good amount of scoring, are they favoring speed? I don't know. I don't know what Don Sweeney was thinking either and what we, what would have had to been given up for him. But, I mean, obviously the Capitals was like a third or fourth round pick, so it probably wouldn't have been that crazy. But I've been one of those people that's not a huge Ilya Kovalchuk fan. Like I said, when he was, you know, in L.A., 
wasn't doing great, but Mon- and, and I, I, like I said, I take it with a grain of salt what he did in Montreal, and maybe he goes to Washington and continues to have a great season, but I think he's kind of like, it's more of a gamble, and I like, kind of like the Bruins making a smaller, couple smaller moves to reinforce the lineup rather than, you know, take a shot at someone, just one player, and, and hoping he works out and, instead of going for the sh- what they probably believe are more sure things and the players they're getting uh, with these smaller moves, so... And not that, not obviously, like I said, they, they wouldn't have had to give up a ton, but I mean, there just feels like there's a lot around Ilya Kovalchuk. And does that mess up the, like, the locker room dynamic, too? That's always a question. Uh, I don't know. He feels like a really good Canadian to me. And if they had been in a position to really push for the playoffs, they probably would have held on to him. And, and who knows what would have gone from there. But we'll see what happens in Washington. Are they the better team? Well, I mean, the Bruins were one, one win away from the Stanley Cup last year. So I'm not, not to say that, you know. Washington and Tampa wouldn't be formidable opponents in the postseason. They most certainly would be. But, I mean, I don't know how anyone can look at them and be like, yeah, Washington over Boston for, for sure. So uh, maybe it was because he knew Ovechkin, maybe not. Well, I mean, forget the player for a second because obviously, you, you know, like you said, you didn't like the player, you didn't like his fit in Boston. That's fine. But what does it say about the teams, at least, the Bruins and the Capitals, that Kovalchuk did pick the Capitals over the Bruins? I mean, you know, like the report said, he was given the choice and he rather, he'd rather go to Washington. Does that tell you anything about these two teams at all? Well, like you said, I mean, if he was given the choice, it might not have been strictly because of on ice, the on ice situation. And for him, I'm sure winning a championship is obviously important, but I think playing with players that he likes is probably important too. And, you know, you got more of that Russian influence in, in Washington than you do in Boston. That's that's easily uh, notice, noticeable right there with Kuznetsov and, and uh, Ovechkin. So, I mean, what one player thinks of two different teams is... I don't. I take kind of take that with a grain of salt. Um, you know, I, Washington has been notoriously a very difficult opponent for the Bruins, and good thing the Bruins were active too because a show at the very least a show of faith from Don Sweeney that he thinks this team can beat anyone that they come up against in the postseason is is important because all the teams around the Bruins are making moves. Tampa was very active. Washington was active. Uh, Pittsburgh was active. Colorado. So you got to pay attention to that. And and if nothing else, the moves that Don Sweeney made were smaller moves. Uh, but, you know, moves that said that he wants them to be right there competing with everyone else. And what Kovalchuk thinks, I don't know if that weighs into how the Bruins feel or how Bruins fans should feel about, about their team compared to others. All right, fair enough. Uh, let's talk about the move of the Bruins, uh, the other move the Bruins made earlier uh, uh, last week. And another move with Anaheim, in fact. They trade David Backus, Alex Anderson, and a first-round pick for Andre Kasha. I would say the reaction to this trade has been pretty, mostly positive. A lot of people seem to like Kasha. Uh, he certainly doesn't have the same pedigree as some of the other names that were floating out there, but there, there seems to be some potential and upside that people seem to like there. And, and you know, additionally to that, the dumping 75% of Bax's salary was something I think a lot of people were surprised they were able to do. Uh, you know, they did give up, you know, a, a decent amount to make this move. A first and Anderson who, you know, I think a lot of people are downplaying as a piece. I mean, you know, he, he may not be one of their top prospects right now, but, he, you know, he's only a year and a half removed from being a second round pick. So that, that's still a pretty good asset. I'm sure the Ducks think so. So so what do you think uh, of the move? What, what would you give the Bruins for a grade for this trade? Um, I, I mean, if I want to put a letter on it, I mean, they didn't fleece the Ducks. So, I mean, give it like a B plus probably. I mean, it was a pretty fair trade. I'm not going to say anyone won either way because, yeah, they gave up a good prospect, but they got they definitely got a significant portion of that uh, that Bacchus contract out of there. And uh, we knew with the whole situation with them, him going to Providence and not reporting to the team, which uh, was fine because it was an it was a agreement he had with Don Sweeney uh, that it was it was only a matter of time before he was gone. So or they or they figured out something to do with this contract. We knew he was healthy, so they couldn't just you know make up an injury out of nowhere, where some teams seem to do to kind of get rid of a contract. But 
Um, I think, I think that, uh, it's a good trade. I like. I do like Kasha as a player. And again, you know, Bruins fans might not su- be super familiar because we see Anaheim. If you're only following the Bruins, you see them twice a season. I mean, I think. I think again, another one of those situations where he's a decent bottom six player. Maybe they try to put him higher than that because God knows they've been putting right wings up and down the lineup uh, to try to figure out what works the, the best for them. Um, but he's a good, another good depth player that they were able to uh, fix a you know, pretty tough contract situation, give up a prospect. Yeah. Who knows, you know, what Anderson will turn into, but I think that even their first round pick, I mean, if they do what they want to do this season, it's going to be not a big deal because they will be pretty far into the postseason. So, um, yeah, I mean, pretty, I would say pretty fair on both sides. Like I said, I like Kasha as a player and, and getting that contract out of there was big for sure. At least most of it. Yeah. And, and even if, I think a big part of the trade that's going to come down eventually is, is, you know, if they if they end up re-signing Krug with the money, I mean, you know, the dumping back as part of the trade, I don't think can be questioned at all. I mean, it was a solid amount of the salary that they dumped. You're going to have a lot of people mentioned they were probably going to have to give up a first to dump Bacchus at any point. People were, you know, talking about this back to last offseason, that it was probably going to be that cost that to dump Bacchus. And you do that, you, you dump 75% of his salary. You throw in a second round pick from a couple years ago that, uh, you know, uh, again, pretty good asset, but a lot of people weren't so high on. And you get a player back who top six, hopefully in your lineup. And uh, in addition to that, you know, a lot of people seem to like him. You know, I think that people kind of said he was kind of an under the radar guy that could fit in very well with the Bruins. So uh, I think overall, uh, the deal, even if Kasha doesn't make a huge impact, the bigger part of that deal ends up being, you know, that the back is salary dump, then I think people can be happy with that. I think it was, that's that's the part of the move that's not going to change no matter really what happens uh, the rest of the season with Kasha. Uh, overall, how do you think the Bruins did at the deadline? Do you think they addressed all the needs they needed to address, or are there still some spots on the roster that you're feeling iffy about, that you wish maybe they made some efforts to improve. Yeah, I mean, talking about that that right wing on the second line is, like I said, Kasha's right wing, so who knows if that works for him? But I, I don't I don't see him as a second line player. Like maybe maybe that's what they're thinking here, but their lineup's been pretty fluid as far as their bottom three lines. So um, what what uh, Bruce Cassidy decides to do uh, is kind of still up in the air, I think. But um, overall, for them, I think what people need to remember is that this is a team that's playing really well. Like, there's no re- there re- no real reason to, reason to make a, a big splash at the trade deadline. Like I said, make a couple moves that are good and, and do bolster your ri- lineup. And I think that's exactly what Don Sweeney did. Uh, yeah, sure, maybe they were out there trying to get Chris Kreider or, or even talk about Joe Thornton, even though he's at the end of his career. And that, that kind of probably, that think that fell apart in the last hour of the trade deadline. So, I mean... Yeah, maybe he was trying to do a little bit more, but I mean, I don't think you can be upset. They don't need to do anything that's going to really shake this lineup up, especially when you're playing so well. You got to lead on Tampa Bay in the standings. You know, they're they're nipping at your heels for sure. But uh, this is a, this is a team that's had a really good season and make, make a couple statement moves so that your team has the confidence that you're you know you're behind them. When I don't know why they wouldn't because they've been the best the best team in the league for the most part all season consistency wise uh minus a couple hiccups notably against the Detroit Red Wings but other than that other than that they've been good so i mean yeah i don't i don't i don't see that they needed to do anything big they did a few things and i mean they put themselves in a good position going forward too and yeah maybe they can manage to sign Tory Krug now that that backus money's gone and uh that that helps them too if they want to stay competitive in the the coming seasons all right before we get out of here i just want to throw two things at you you mentioned the Tampa Bay there 
How do you think the Bruins stack up against the Lightning and Capitals? We kind of mentioned it earlier as far as the decision-making of Kovalchuk, but it's refraining from that and talking specifically about those two teams. How do you think they stack up against the Lightning and Capitals? You know, How would you handicap a playoff series against each of those opponents if you had to today? And the President's Trophy, are you one of those people who would rather they didn't get it purely uh, for superstitious purposes? <laughs> well, I'll start with how they stack up against uh, Washington and Tampa. I think... I think it's close. I think it. I think it is. I mean, Tampa, Tampa's in a win now mode. They're they're in a position where they're kind of, you know, they got Blake Coleman uh, about a week ago now, and and you know, they they had to give up some significant parts to get that to get him from the Devils. I don't have it in front of me right now, but they're they're one of those teams that kind of like the Pittsburgh Penguins is really just dipping into their prospect pool into their in, in you know in an attempt to get in a cup now, and uh, obviously the way they left. Uh, Left compet- competition last season in four games to the Columbus Blue Jackets uh, is still a sour taste in their mouth for sure, and, and probably will be for years come uh, years into the future because of of how that playoff uh, picture turned out. And, and obviously the Bruins ended up coming out of the East, but there were some upsets that could have put Tampa a couple rounds in. And you know, if we're just talking purely from a revenue standpoint, that helps immensely. But uh, besides that, if we're talking about Stanley Cup wins, I mean, those three teams are right there. Toronto, Toronto's on the border of not even making it right now. And their fan base is imploding. They're tweaking out. And they're the first organization in the league to tweak out when something goes wrong. So that kind of makes sense. But um, yeah, I mean, the top three teams right now, if you're talking about, um, you know, the league in general, you got Washington, you got Boston, you got Tampa. I'd put Pittsburgh up there right now too because they've they've had a season that's impressed me. I thought they were, you know, hitting a pretty steady decline last year. I mean, they went out in four games to the Islanders in the first round, so uh, I think they're right back up there too. It, I I don't know if one has an advantage on the other. I, like I said, the Bruins have have historically had trouble with the Capitals, so you know I might give the Capitals an advantage slightly in in, in the series against the Bruins. They're the Capitals' goaltending is maybe the only question mark there because uh, they haven't loved Holtby and they've, um, you know, I believe it's Ilya Samsonov is their goalie right now or their backup or their second goalie. I don't know really how they value them at the moment, but um, yeah, I think Tampa's Tampa's right there too. They have all Tampa's confusing because they have all the right pieces. They just haven't been able to make it work. Kind of like kind of like a, a, a more heavy version of Toronto. Toronto has a lot of uh, scoring. Um, their defense is not great. Their goaltending is is kind of subpar as well. But Tampa has kind of the whole package, right? They have solid forwards. Maybe maybe some teams have more high powered offense, but they have a good defense and and really one of the best goaltenders in the league in Andre Vasilevsky. So um, I don't know where they stack up against the Lightning right now. Um, you might give the slight edge to the Lightning as well too, because you know they're they're a team that should have won a couple Stanley Cups to be honest with you in this in this era and the players they've had there so uh, it's hard not to favor that team against pretty much anyone but uh, the Bruins have been playing like the best team in the league for most of the season so I wouldn't be surprised if they were able to beat one of those teams in a matchup but I think it's a little too soon to tell but it's definitely going to be interesting if they do find each other in the second or or third round and then the President's Trophy is it worth being scared of are you scared of it 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 should I'm sure people have this discussion every year It's it's hard to say that you want to avoid it. You want to start losing so you don't get the President's Trophy. But this is something that has been a thing for a few years now. I mean, you saw what happened in Tampa last year, and that's just another in a long line of President's Trophies winners that things haven't gone their way in the postseason. So is this something that you're genuinely scared of, that you're genuinely worried about? Or, you know what, it's just... At the end of the day, whatever happens, happens. You got to compete in the playoffs, no matter where you are in the standings. Yeah, I mean, I think it's superstition, and I'm not a huge believer in superstition. I don't, I don't subscribe to it a ton. I think, I think one of the last teams to do it was the Chicago Blackhawks in like 2015. I could be completely wrong, but I'm pretty sure 
they won the President's Trophy and went on and won the Stanley Cup, or 2013, so 2015. It was one of those two years. Uh, it might have been against the Bruins. I don't remember which one. But anyway, it was one of their two. I'm 95% sure. I don't I don't think it's a big deal. I think, like, even even with winning the the East and the West, the, the two trophies that I'm not going to... Prince of Wales Trophy and... Oh, I'm not going to remember the other one. But the two trophies you get for winning the division, uh, winning the conference in the playoffs, those players have like historically not touched those trophies. Some teams have broken the mold and done that. I think Cindy Crosby like always touches it, and they've won like three cups since he's been there. So, yeah, I'm not a huge hockey superstition guy. But um, if the Bruins win the Presidents Trophy this year and lose in the playoffs, I'm sure people will be talking about it. All right, well, Jeremy, thank you for coming on and talking Bruins deadline stuff with us. We appreciate it as always, guys. Be sure to go follow Jeremy on Twitter at Jeremy Perigo. And check out his podcast, Puck That, who he does with the great Spencer Weeks. Uh, and Jeremy, just again, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me, Spencer. Uh, wow, Spencer, you just said Spencer. Thanks for having me, Kenny. It's been a blast. <laughs> okay, guys, and you can follow me on Twitter at KDRBS. Follow the pod on Twitter. I will get smart pod. Check out everything over at Guy Boston Sports. Plenty of stuff coming out there. Uh, NFL Draft Combine coming up. There's going to be some stuff related to that. And NFL Free Agency. So much going on in the sports world. Bruins headed for a playoff run. Celtics headed for a playoff run. There's a, a lot going on, so be sure to head over there and check everything out. Uh, and thanks, you guys, for listening. And We'll see you next week.